The following episode of An Evening at the Movies is brought to you by the I Did Not Make These Rankings Podcast Network, Masturbators, The Sip List, An Evening at the Movies, Crushgasm, and Love is Black. I'll bring you this following episode. Thank you very much, and have a nice day. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to everybody's favorite movie-based podcast. This is An Evening at the Movies. And it for those of you who have been here before, you do remember that this is the podcast where we eat stale popcorn, we drink watered-down sodas, and we talk about all of our favorite movies and why we love them. Damn you, Harvey, for making me actually have to do that on air, though. I'm never going to let you live that down. So, with all that said, um, we unfortunately will not be joined by everybody's favorite co-host tonight. She has some, we'll leave it at personal issues because I know she's incredibly frustrated over what's going on, but um, because of that, she won't be with us tonight. So we wish her all the best with that, and we will definitely be catching up with her again in the next few days as we finish up the greatest Tom Hanks movie bracket that we've got going on. And as well, we get your next episode of literature reapers recorded as well. So definitely stay tuned for that as well, but I'm not going to do this stuff alone because let's be honest, guys, I haven't done a solo episode in almost two years. And let's be honest. I know you guys don't like it. I don't like doing it because I don't like just having to sit here and listen to myself talk. I would much rather have somebody to talk to. So the idea was, well, even before Amanda had to back out of tonight, we have a guest planned for the episode who um, initially has been on the SIP list. And I personally met through being on the SIP list with her and Amanda, obviously the host of said SIP list. All that. So. We are here with Leah from Slay the Stars. Welcome to the show for the first time. Introduce yourself and tell the listeners about what your podcast is all about. Yeah. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, like you said, my name is Leah. I am the Dungeon Master for Slay the Stars. We are a 5e actual play. Uh, however, we're more of like an audio drama. Let's be real. Um the show is about two friends who are kind of going through it, the end of the world times three, um, and learning about themselves and the conflict at hand. We just celebrated our one-year anniversary at the end of May. 
Um, and we currently release on Tuesdays, every other Tuesday during the summer. We might be back to every week starting in the fall. Sort of all depends on life stuff. Um, and you can find us at slaythestars.com. Awesome. Congratulations on reaching your one-year anniversary. Thank you. We we this year passed our second anniversary back in February. Wow. Yeah, that's so, huge. Yeah, two years is huge. and. We've got it in the background now. We're not looking back over our shoulder. We're looking forward to the third anniversary and big stuff coming in the future. So Absolutely. we're excited for that. We are excited for your guys' show as well. Thank you. That is yeah. awesome. Um, definitely, you guys, definitely check out the show. Um, with all that said, um, we are here tonight. We have Leah pick. well, I think Leah and I, when we first started talking about this episode, had brought up a couple of different possibilities. One was, you know, the OG greatest horror movie of all time, Nightmare on Elm Street. True, yes. Um, or the pretender to the throne, Scream. So, with all that said, we are going to revisit the OG installment in the Scream franchise, and we will be discussing the Wes Craven classic from 1996, Scream. So with all that said, um, Scream released on December 20th, 1996, directed by, obviously, the late, great Wes Craven, uh, was distributed by Dimension. It had a $15 million budget and raked in a whopping box office of $173 million. Has a Rotten Tomato score of 81%. And just because of personal request from Amanda um, during the Mannequin episode that we released this last week, um, for those of you who have not seen or would like to watch Scream and don't own it, currently on those archaic things called DVDs. <laughs> um, it can be found to stream on Paramount+. Plus. So, all of that out of the way. Discussion yes. time. Yes. I feel like you can't really discuss this movie you know, and pose questions back and forth to each other without the obvious iconic scream question. Mm -hmm. So with all that said, I'm going to rip the bandaid right off and we're going to get right into it. So Leah, yeah, what's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> oh, that's so good. I, I can't hear that line without hearing Roger Jackson, the voice of Ghostface in my head. Um, oh. I've been thinking about this all day and i think my choice is the 2013 remake of the evil dead <laughs> they took the campy amazingness of that movie of the og 80s movie and they turned it into a frightening horror fest that i love okay for one i'm glad you said 2013 and then because and then and you coupled that with remake because if you had just gone with remake, I was so worried you would have gone down the road to the 2010 remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. And oh no, that was so we, trash. <laughs> we we not gonna lie, I am not a proponent of fighting a girl, but <laughs> that, mo that movie is hot garbage. It is. It's one of the worst. It's one of the worst. I paid money to see that in a theater, and I regret it to this day. I personally have walked out of a movie one time in my entire life. It was when I went to see twenty or twenty ten Nightmare on Elm Street. No Can't offense to you. Jackie Earl Haley. He is a great actor. He is not Freddy. I'm no. not impressed with the choices that they made for that movie. <laughs> The writing was terrible. The the way yeah. they 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 took Freddy from being this supernatural dream horror child murderer to what were they trying to do? Redeem him? This 
turn him into like a pedophile. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. You said the two, you said the key words, child killer. Yeah. Original Ch- yeah. Wes Craven, child killer. Yeah. Remake pedophile. Yeah. No, it was two di- totally different things. It was so bad. Why would Freddy they do that? Not a chimo. No. So obviously, as all of you can tell from my passion for the movie that we were just bashing, <laughs> my favorite scary movie would be the Wes Craven franchise built franchise and Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, it's very good. And that's definitely in my top five. Remake and Freddy's Revenge thrown in the garbage, but the rest of the franchise, okay. Love yes. it, love it, love it. As long as I'm, well, I'm for the most part, most of those 80s slashers, Halloween, well, Halloween was more, more 70s and then grew into the 80s, but Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, half of Friday the 13th, the front half, Scream, yes, great, great franchises. Elements of like, once you get to a certain Friday the 13th movie, not going to name any names, Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah, so bad. The franchise takes a hard nosedive into the freaking, um, for lack of a better term, Atlantic Abyss, Northern Atlantic. Nope. Not going to try and go down that road and make <laughs> jokes about that. That. Probably not appropriate. So, but yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street is. Amanda and I have butted heads over this a lot since we've met. I know. Because yeah, she's a big Halloween fan. She's a huge Halloween fan. Mm-hmm. And we've competed in trivia challenges on her show. We've had debates. We've been the network that we're in. They like to poke the sleeping bear and tease us about it because they know it's a quick and easy way to get me riled up and then get her riled up at the same time. <laughs> they step back and yeah. dance puppets. So, but I mean, at the end of the, we as horror movie fans are allowed to prefer what we prefer. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing in the world. Please don't tell Amanda I said this, but there is absolutely nothing wrong with Halloween. It is a great franchise. It is. It's not particularly my preferred franchise, but I would put it probably at number two behind A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And you get the whole, I mean, you can, and you have the hardcore fans that can throw out the whole, well, who's the more iconic? Horror movie director John Carpenter, Wes Craven, blah, blah, blah. Let's be, there's no reason for people to have to compete. No, to especially to compete not those love. two. John Carpenter and Wes Craven, I can't compare those two. They're too amazing. No. I refuse. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, she and I both like to be right and we'll argue <laughs> until we're blue in the face and normally until I end up losing the argument. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, there's enough room on this planet for her to love John Carpenter and enough for me to love Wes Craven and we can all live happily ever after at the end of the day. So, I mean, fun fact for her, a couple of weeks ago, she actually got to meet John Carpenter and got to meet um, PJ Souls from the original movie. Linda. Yeah. So, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, can't I complain love over to, that. That. Yeah, going to horror conventions, getting to meet the people from the movies, great times. I've never been to a con before, and I've had numerous people tell me that, oh my god, it's amazing, and it's one of those bucket list items that if you are truly a true member of a fandom you have to experience a con at least once in your life 
I think you should yeah. honestly. And listen, I've been to a couple different types of conventions. Horror conventions are my favorite. Horror fans are like a whole other breed of people, right? They're just the chillest people, which you would not expect because horror, whatever. But like they are, and they're so passionate about everything. And it's it's a great time. It's a great time. Well, and that's really what it's all about in the long run anyway is, you know, we all can have our passions and loves and we can all get along at the end of the day and share said passions and all of that. I mean, there's no reason why Nightmare fans can't get along with Halloween fans or... That's a fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess if we have to, we can get along with Friday the Thirteenth fans as well. I mean, we can try at least until they want. To, at least until they want to start trying to bring up the fact that Jason Eight was the best movie in the franchise. Believe it or not, Amanda and I actually have a friend in the podcast world who actually believes that Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight is the best movie in that franchise. Well, I think that that friend. I don't know. What's wrong with them? But they should probably get checked out. <laughs> My first response was to look him dead in his face and tell him he needs to put the crack pipe down because <laughs> drugs are bad for you. <laughs> so with all that said, um, okay. So normally one of our first discussion questions we always throw out just because, you know, obviously if we're sitting here talking about a movie with a guest, and especially if it's a movie that the guest picks, the movie rings significant to them personally in some way, shape, or form. So um, at the end of the day, you know, why do you have such a love and passion for the Scream? So there's two main reasons here. The first is that I am not a slasher movie person, right? I love horror movies, but slashers aren't my favorite. Um, I think that once you get past the classics, they're kind of meh. You know what I mean? Like they're all just sort of derivative of each other. They can just become sort of mm -hmm. gore fests. They're not, there's nothing really special about a lot of these movies that came after the, the big ones that we know of. But Scream yeah. managed to turn that on its head by doing a couple things. Um, and the first is that it's a it's a meta horror movie, right? And it was it's really like the movie that that broke that horror meta um ceiling. I personally it, honestly think it's the movie that truly defined what meta would become. Yes. Yes. It was meta absolutely. before meta. Scream was meta before meta was cool. Exactly. And and that's the other thing is like Scream took itself very seriously and not seriously at all at the same time, right? You have characters mm -hmm. in the movie that almost seem aware that they're in the movie, like Randy, right? Like he's the perfect example oh, God. of this character yeah. who Randy seems is... like he knows what's happening. Okay, because like one of the Easter eggs that I brought up or found in my research was... And it never even really dawned on me until I found it and I went back and I'm thinking about it in my head. Like the scene at the end of the movie where Randy, everybody's evacuated the house and Randy's laying there watching Halloween and he's literally like half drunk and shit talking the movie while he's watching mm -hmm. Halloween. And he's literally talking, you know, don't go in there, Jamie. Don't go. Over. He's right behind you, Jamie. He's coming around yes. the corner, Jamie. Prime example, for those of everybody who knows and has seen the movie, Randy in Scream is played by the great Jamie Kennedy. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, he's sitting there. He's right behind you, Jamie. He's coming around the corner, Jamie. As in the movie, if you look behind yes. him, he's right behind you. He's coming around the corner, Jamie. Yeah. So I thought it's that was so smart. a nice little, you know, wink, wink. I, there's... Let's be honest. There's so much of that stuff in this movie. It is so much ridiculous. And I got just a small smidget to move into when we get to that point or to discussing that kind of stuff as well. But 
I 100% agree with what you said, though. I Yeah. It's, it's a smart movie. It's a smart horror movie, which is another thing we didn't get a lot of. We didn't get a lot of this before Scream, right? It's like smart horror. You get you get a lot of you get spooky stuff, you get gross stuff, you get some things that are like a little like controversial and bring up topics, but Scream felt smart in a way that not a lot of other movies did prior to that. No, I, I won't even I can't even dump this in Wes Craven's lap as being okay, it's a West it's definitely a Wes Craven thing. Cause I mean, I guess if you want to throw that label on the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Maybe the whole idea of, you know, a psychotic killer stalking you in your dreams and the things he can do to you psychologically while he's pursuing you to kill you. Okay, fine. But, I mean, even at the same, it's still... All those movies like Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th and all, you know, definitely all the other slasher type movies, Sleepaway Camp, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, all those for lack of a better term cheesier horror movies all fell under the typical horror movie rules that Randy mm-hmm. taught everybody about in exactly his appearances throughout the three movies because I mean, he did it in one, he did it in two he did it minimally in three, but at the same time, he there's rules to surviving a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And again, that's one of the beautiful parts about um, Nev Campbell's role in the movie as well, playing Sidney Prescott, because you get you've had people like Jamie Lee Curtis, who is probably the OG greatest scream queen. Final girl of all time. I will give Amanda's franchise that. If it wasn't, Jamie Lee Curtis walked in the original Halloween so that people like Heather Langenkamp and Nev Campbell and whoever came after could run. Um, Mm -hmm. But yet, Nev Campbell really was the first person that had all of those movies or rules for surviving a horror movie dumped in her lap and not only did she buck the system but she literally for the most part had you know she had sex in the movie and survived she did you know whatever and there was like four or five different things rules that she broke and still survived where Mm -hmm. before stereotypically if you did any of the if you got classified under any of those rules you didn't survive at all so nev was really the first person to go against the rules and still come out standing at the end of the movie and i mean let's be honest what five well i mean technically we're six movies into the franchise and ain't nobody killed her yet so spoiler Uh, alert if you haven't seen six yet yeah, but they they won't even pay her to put her in the movie now. I, that's a whole other thing. Pay her, <laughs> pay Nev, put very, her in the movie. That I'm that would be the uh, for me that would be like the good per, the good guy or good person version of doing another Nightmare on Elm Street movie without Robert as Freddy. I'm sorry, yeah. you can't. I know Amanda and I have talked about this before and she agrees with me, but you know, at the end of the day, you can't do, you can do Friday the 13th without say Kane Hodder, or you can do uh, um, Halloween without dude Nick Castle who played the shape in the first movie. Mm -hmm. You can't do Freddy like Robert England does Freddy because there's actually no offense to the other two characters, but Freddy has a sadistic evil psychotic personality that you just can't recapture by just throwing somebody in the make. 
No, I agree. Robert Englund is an incredible character actor and he's a tough act to follow. And I don't know that anybody could be Freddy the way he embodies Freddy. No. So, his, and he's not a young man either by any stretch of the imagination. So, no. And uh, the first time I saw him give a talk was in 2012 um, at Monster Mania Con in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And at that point in time, he was like, yeah, you know, I might have one more movie in him. And the crowd went wild, right? And then I saw him again. He knows. In... He knows. He knows yeah. how to get the crowd to do, yeah. to scream and be happy. Yeah. All he's got to do, well, I might have one more, even if he says might, one more movie yeah. and the crowd's going to go freaking wild. It's true. But that was in 2012. And then I saw him again in 2022, 2021, something like that. And he said, nah, I'm done. I'm too old. So it was just that 10 year span, you know, Ugh, it was yeah. so disappointing to watch happen, but. Well, and you got to, I mean, even, I don't remember exactly. I read his autobiography. Hashtag yes. if. You, you haven't checked that out. Hollywood Monster, I think it's it called, is, right? Yeah, yes. it's very good. It is an incredibly entertaining read, and it doesn't just deal with, obviously, the era that is. I mean, there's a huge part of that book that is dealing with the playing Freddy and all that. But there's also the pre-Freddy stuff, the post-Freddy stuff. And real, Robert England is a very intelligent, witty, sly, slick, smooth talker, and he can reel you in rather quickly. And also, I highly recommend if listeners need something else to listen to or watch or read, um, The Man and His Nightmares with the Wes Craven autobiography as well. I actually haven't read that one. Hashtag there is scream information in this book as well. Oh, that's cool. So, um, let's see what else we got. Uh, let's see. We got the anomaly. So, um, one of the other things that, um, while doing my research for my notes that I found was somebody had brought up at, in some article, the wonderment that was the mass hysteria confusion that Wes brought to the table in the movie where um, you don't know from one minute to the next, from the beginning of the movie all the way up till um, Billy comes tumbling down to freaking stairs and Sydney hands over the gun and he opens the door and shoots randy and <laughs> we all go a little mad sometimes and he's revealed to be the killer who exactly the killer is which is probably one of my favorite aspects of the franchise because they're very good at creating so much chaos that you don't know and you, it keeps you guessing from minute to minute throughout the entire movie. I mean, I remember watching this movie in the theater when it came out in 96. And, you know, I there was times I thought it could be Nev. There was times that I thought it could be Rose McGowan. There was times I thought it could be Randy, Stu, Billy, the dad, whoever. And, you know, you have to sit almost, you know, an hour and what, 40 minutes into the movie before you finally find out who the killer is. And not only one killer, but you get two killers. Yeah. So I think that the interesting thing about that is that they don't actually hide it very well that it's Billy, right? Um, he. But you don't think, you don't go there. You don't know for sure. Because, yeah. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where I remember thinking when I first saw the movie that it's too fucking easy for it to just, That's it. just be the boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
but then bam, slap you in the face with it. And come the end of the movie, and it's like, ah, sucker, you fell for it. Yeah, and and I think that Skeet Ulrich does an interesting thing in that in the movie is that he acts suspicious the whole time. The whole time, in my opinion, Billy looks suspicious. But because mm-hmm. you're like, this is too easy. This seems too obvious. Like, it, there, there's going to be a twist, right? And there's not. And that's the mm-hmm. twist. There's no twist. It was him the whole time. He was suspicious because it was him, right? And that's the other thing that makes the first Scream movie so different, even from the Scream movies that come later. I think that, yeah, especially in, I think, okay, hot take. Scream 6 was trash. I maybe the worst movie in the franchise it's right there with three they're they're really bad movies um and one of the reasons that six was so bad in my opinion is that they did typical horror movie twisty stuff to reveal the killers at the end and it, it there's there was no payoff it was it was like okay so we have two more ghost faces you didn't do anything interesting these people are just scrubs from the side nobody cares about okay let's kill them off and well, okay, the dad and the three. two kids. There were three. But it's just, it didn't it didn't set anything up that was new, right? And we didn't have Sydney. And it was just like, this movie doesn't have any soul. Scream 5 was fantastic and had soul. And I was like, they're going to relaunch this franchise. It's going to be great. Six I trash movie. so scared when 5 came out. I was like... So was I. Oh my God, please. It's been what almost 20 years since you know the last movie being Scream 3 and Amanda and I butt heads over this one because she tends to like the whole angle of part 3 I'm not as much of a fan of it and again not shaming people for what they like and don't like I just didn't particularly care for it as much as other people might um yeah you know but my least favorite aspect of part six was the fact that i think probably about halfway through the movie i thought i had it figured out and i was pretty damn close to being accurate with my assessment i think so there was also there was like weird continuity errors too because um so first of all uh what's her name mindy gets stabbed uh, spoilers she gets stabbed on the subway right she gets stabbed Mm. in the stomach she goes to the hospital she's in the hospital right and at one point there's like a phone call that's like she's gonna be okay and then meanwhile her brother chad gets stabbed like 150 times by two ghost faces right so that Kirby and uh-huh. um, Sam can run away. But then at the end of the movie, Mindy comes running up in a crop top, no stab wound on her stomach. And Chad gets taken out on a stretcher. Totally fine. Even though he just got stabbed 150 times right in front of us. It's like, uh-huh. it, there's no, there's no bite. There's n- <laughs> What? They had this great moment with Courtney Cox, with Gail Weathers, in that in the room. They could have killed her. They could have killed another legacy character. They could have done literally anything. But no, she's alive too. So, where were the consequences of this movie? There were none. It was, well, it was nothing. It was a nothing movie. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't as much a huge fan of the bringing Kirby back. Yeah, I didn't I like it. I feel like Kirby I feel like Kirby was the choice of the new generation because obviously if Nev had taken the contract they wanted to give her and taken the shit money, mm-hmm. then Nev probably would have been in that role. Probably not exactly the same. It wouldn't have been exactly the same as what Kirby was absolutely but yeah it would have been that totally would have different been, movie. that would have been her portion of the movie and i feel like they literally just oh shit we don't have nev we need to grab onto something because we 
I can't hear you. Okay. Oh, now I can hear you. There you go. Some stupid reason my uh, my headset likes to disconnect in the middle of my train of thought. So. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> I don't know where it was when I got cut out, but we'll go with the whole point of um, Kirby was basically brought back to take over the Nev role and, because you couldn't necessarily have all of that type of characterization dumped on Courtney Cox and the Gale character because that's not who Gale is at the end of the day. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of Kirby anyway to begin with in part four. Yeah. It kind of sort of felt like a cop-out for, again, for having Dev in a smaller role in that movie as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, I. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I think that. So something that Scream Five did, I think, really well, is it is we had this feeling going in that we were going to lose a legacy character, right? We were going to lose either Sydney, Gale, or Dewey. We're going to lose somebody. We don't know who. Mm-hmm. And you get to the elevator scene, right? When Dewey decides to leave that elevator and go back into the hospital after Ghostface, we knew. Everybody in the theater knew, like, this is it. And it didn't matter because the scene was so good. That moment when Ghostface says to Dewey, like, it's been an honor and stabs him. It was euphoric. It was such a good moment. I got a little bit choked up in the back of my throat when that happened. Yes. Yes. And, like, and only horror fans get it. Only horror fans get it. Well, yeah, because at the same time, Dewey is one of those characters that, let's be honest, as far as like a horror franchise goes, Dewey never, a character like Dewey never, ever makes it five movies into the franchise. No, absolutely not. Normally, most of your final girls from like the original movie don't make it five movies into the franchise either before they're leaving the franchise or getting killed off. So, you know, that's another one of those molds that the Scream franchise broke. And at the end of the day, I love Wes Craven, Kevin Williams, Kevin Williamson for creating a world where, you know, or a franchise that could step out of the shadows and break some of the typical horror molds that, well, because the other thing too, at the end of the day, that I believe in my heart of hearts as well, um, like as far as like slasher movies go, the early 80s was like great, for like you had the early Halloween movies, you had the early Friday the Thirteenth movies, you had Nightmare on Elm Street, and those movies were hugely successful at the time. But yet, by the end of the decade, being the eighties and moving into the early part of the nineties, slash, I personally believe the slasher movie genre was slowly starting to take the turn and head downhill, going yeah. into oblivion and I mean let's be honest probably was not going to survive the 90s if Scream hadn't came along and saved the day I honest to God believe in my heart Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson saved the slasher movie franchise in 1996 when Scream came out I agree well I think that horror movies uh, slasher movies specifically in that time period um they're cheap. They're easy to make. You can make a quick buck on them because people will just go see them as like a date or you put them out around Halloween, you'll make a little cash. And there was no heart in the genre at that point. And I agree with you. You know, Wes well, I mean, Kevin Williamson came along and they were like, well, how about this? What if we completely reinvent it? 
and we give you something you're not expecting. And it was fantastic. Well, and like we said at the beginning of the episode, too, this movie had a budget of $15 million. And this movie made $173 million. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it made $158 million profit. You know, that's obviously it's not Star Wars numbers. It's not Marvel box office numbers. Sure. But at the end of the day, in 1996, $173 million box office is a huge freaking number. Absolutely. So one of my other favorite aspects of the franchise, though, is the publicity for all of the movie when it came out, especially like the poster-wise. You get that first poster for the first movie, and who's in the poster? You've Drew got Barrymore. <laughs> Drew in the front. You've got Nev, Skeet, and... I believe um, Matthew as well. It was, I think, four people. But Drew is the one front and center. Mm -hmm. Clever. Uh Clever. But at the end of the day, who's the first one that doesn't make it through the opening credits? Yep. The one that they got you believing is going to be the star of the whole freaking movie. It's genius. It's a genius move. I mean, I would almost dare to, because one of my big, I'm not going to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but one of my big complaints about Halloween ends last year was the fact that I don't feel like we got what was advertised for the better part of a year, Mm -hmm. with it being the final battle between Lori and Michael and blah, blah, blah. And then we literally got a five-minute battle and literally... We'll throw him in a car crusher, and now it's done over with. Yep. Okay. What happened to this epic battle of good versus evil and Lori versus Michael? And all? False advertisement. That upset me like no other. But at the same time, I could see how people with well, Scream did the same thing with basically pushing Drew Barrymore to the front and being making her seem like she's the lead. Of the movie, yeah. Well, technically, she was probably the most notorious or not- notorious of the stars of the movie, but she wasn't necessarily the lead of the movie. But yeah, yeah, but I think it's... Gonna, we're going to give you that, but then we're going to kill her off in the first ten minutes of the movie. I think it's a little different, though, right? Because this Michael it Myers, Laurie Schroed showdown has been built up for. 40 years 40 years yeah 50 years (laughs) like it's it's been so long in the making right versus you know what's which was i know i don't i I said it out loud and i was like oh god um but but this the drew barrymore thing i think was more like a clever swerve you know we weren't built up thinking like drew's gonna be this huge character it was just sort of like oh drew barrymore's in this movie like oh man and whatever she oh she's dead in the first 15 seconds Versus like, yeah, man, we wanted to see an epic showdown with Lori and Michael that we did not get. And it was, you know, feel a little blue balled there. A little. Oh, yeah, a little. Uh, but yeah, um, there's so much. Ultimately, what it boils down to is like the amount of Easter egg type material in this movie is... I've never really been one of those people that likes to sit there and just pick out the little Easter eggs throughout the movie. I, I like to just sit back and enjoy the movie sure. for what it is. It's a story. It should be enjoyed. But at the same time, you really can't help but pick up all the little stuff. Like, I didn't make a whole great big long list of stuff from this movie, but just a few things like... um during the opening scene when uh, Drew Barrymore's mom and dad come home and they can't find her and her dad tells his wife, you know, I want you to get in the car and go down to the McKenzie's and call 911. Throwback to Lori telling the kids in Halloween 1, I want you to go down the street to the McKenzie's and, blah, blah, blah. you know, so 
you have that Halloween Easter egg. You've got uh, Billy Loomis and tying that to the fact that Dr. Sam Loomis from mm-hmm. Halloween. Um, one of my favorite things about the whole movie, though, is the scene in the principal's office where um, he opens the office door. He goes down into the main office and he's exploring and not finding anything. Opens the main door and looks out into the hall because he's being, quote unquote, he's hearing noises. And he's like, I'm going to get you, you little shits or whatever the hell it was he said. Yeah. And you hear this, what did you say? And he turns around and looks. And there's the line that comes out of his mouth afterwards is, not you, Fred. As he turns around and looks and sees a janitor wearing a red and green striped sweater. Yes. And not only is he named Fred wearing the freaking shirt, but the guy playing the janitor is the director of said movie. It is Wes Craven. So hats off to A Nightmare on Elm Street Easter yes. egg. It's so good. Movie. That scene uh, makes me smile every time I see it. I love it when, because I remember Wes getting to come back and be a part of and direct uh, the new Nightmare movie and how meta that was as well. Mm-hmm. But Wes definitely has that passion for um, the horror genre as a whole. And yes. One of my favorite, so much of a thing, so much of a passion for horror. The fact that if you remember, there's a brief moment in um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, where um, uh, Evil Dead is on the TV. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Sam Raimi and the respect he has for that franchise. Um, he has said in interviews before that um, he respects and tips his hat to the fact that Sam Raimi had a Freddy glove in Evil Dead 2. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, if you fast forward to 1996, towards the end of Scream, they're at uh, Stu's house and they're getting ready to watch movies. Randy's running down the list of all of these and he brings up the fact that one of the movies that they have to choose from to pick from is the evil dead. Mm-hmm. So definitely Wes has a healthy respect for the work of. Absolutely. I love well, seeing directors and writers in the horror genre who give nods to the other people who either came before them or working concurrently with them. You know, it shows that they themselves are students of their craft and, you know, it's very humble for Wes, Wes Craven, this huge name in the horror genre to still be out here saying like, I respect John Carpenter. I respect Sam Raimi, you know, like, well, cause cool. there's the other thing at the end of the day too, to have, I mean, he, Wes literally could have made scream be a whole big, Nightmare on Elm Street, Easter yeah. Egg Fest, but he didn't do that. Mm-mm. He, yeah, he had the little bit of a you know wink, wink to the Evil Dead, but for the most part, as far as your Easter eggs go in that movie, it was all a part of paying tribute to Halloween, mm-hmm. and the brilliance that was the writing and directing skills of John Carpenter. The dedication of, of Jamie Lee Curtis to her role, mm-hmm. you know. So, at the end of the day, yes, Halloween is a worthy franchise that deserves to be respected. I said it, Amanda. Um, you can now put that in the bank and do with it as you please. <laughs> um, also, if you don't, uh, I happen to catch really quickly. I had never noticed before either, but Linda Blair has a cameo in the beginning of the movie at the high school. She plays a reporter as well. Oh, I don't yeah. think I knew that. 
I had never caught it before, and then I just happened to, I'm like, that looked a lot like Linda Blair, and literally she has like one line in the movie, and she's one of the reporters that when the kids get released from school and they're supposed to be going home because of the curfew, tries to get a comment from Sydney. Huh. Interesting. So next time you watch it, you'll have to pay it, see if you catch that one again. Definitely. Uh, I don't think I've got a whole lot more in my notes. Um, is there anything in particular that we haven't covered that you would definitely like to bring up? I don't think so. I think we we pretty well covered it. It's a great movie. It really is. Speaking of nice segue, by the way. <laughs> so, um, with all that said, um, as the guest on the show, and okay. we tend to be polite as possible. Well, sometimes the language isn't always as polite, but manners wise, we try and be polite. So, I. And Amanda both believe guests should get to go first for their review. So um, for anybody who's listening who doesn't necessarily know, um, at this point, we like to turn the microphone over to um, the guest. And then I will follow up with my thoughts and feelings on the movie. So you get to basically share your thoughts and feelings however you want. And then rate the movie out of five stars. All right. So uh, Scream is one of those movies that even with some of its tech stuff that's outdated, and even with, um, you know, some of the cornier aspects of it, it's a timeless classic. Something that, I mean, I, I've shown this movie to friends that are much younger and they immediately fall in love with it too um it's well acted it's well directed the easter eggs you're talking about fantastic if you're a horror fan you're going to enjoy all of that but the the idea of a movie that is self-aware is something that we've only recently like seen getting explored a lot more scream was well ahead of its time and i mean just for that fact alone it gets five stars easy Easy five stars. I second everything that you said. This movie is a timeless classic. It really is. Um, And like I said earlier, I mean, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to kiss the movie's ass because like we talked about, the slasher movie genre was literally coming apart at the seams mm-hmm. in the late eighties and early nineties and probably would have completely gone away if it wasn't for scream. And yeah, it deserves that respect and it is a great movie. It is a great franchise. It, to me doesn't get old and yeah we talked about the fact that um nightmare not nightmare scream three and aspects of scream six i didn't particularly care for but at the same time i love the franchise enough that i still don't completely and utterly hate those movies either Mm -hmm. yeah they're just they're not the original they're not Scream 2. They're not 4. They're not Scream 5. Whatever the case may be. Um, I think the movie was well written by Kevin Williamson. And again, like we said, I am a huge Wes Craven mark. The directing in this movie was fucking amazing. It was. I mean... Hearing that Wes Craven's name was attached to it before it came out, and being a huge Nightmare on Elm Street fan, was enough for me to begin with. 
but then actually getting to go to the movie to the theater and see everything that was encompassed in this whole almost two hour long cinematic journey into mm-hmm. the dark devious mind of Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson. Mwah. Um, the cast. Oh my God. Like I said, Drew Barrymore. I mean, you at the time was, well, she still is a fairly significant cog in the Hollywood wheel. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you know, to be young and talented in the mid nineties and to get the chance to work with a director like Wes Craven and do, you know, what play Casey in the movie and all of that. She did an amazing job. The rest of the freaking cast. I mean, for the most part, you had a little bit of, I mean, most of them have done a little bit of work at, and had a little bit, but, you know, they were relatively still unknown, but at the same time, Courtney Cox was a part of Friends. Nev Campbell, mm-hmm. Party of Five. Mm-hmm. You know, Skeet was a part of the craft. Um, Jamie Kennedy, Matthew Lillard, um, Rose McGowan, David Arquette. You know, the cast is wow. I mean, you don't necessarily yeah, think about insane. it in 1996 when, you know, you're first getting to experience that movie. But, you know, even in 1996 okay this is a pretty decent cast and then you see throughout the next several years coming out of that movie exactly what each member of that cast did with their career wow i mean everybody launched into the stratosphere coming out of scream yeah amazing cast um yeah i can't go less than five out of five for this movie um it Let's probably the three greatest original pieces of no, I, I can't I have to go for because like Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street One, Halloween One, and the original Friday the thirteenth, only for the pure fact that and they addressed it in the beginning of the movie. Who's the killer in Friday the thirteenth? It's the mom, Mrs. Voorhees. It's not Jason. It's not Jason. So, I mean, that plot twist that you get at the end of that, those four movies are amazing pieces of cinematic history. Agreed. So, I can't, I mean, when I reviewed Friday the 13th, one, I may have given it a little bit less of a score. Blah, 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 blah. It is what it is. But... (laughs) Nightmare and Halloween got very favorable reviews from me when we talked about them as well. So, yeah, <laughs> on Friday the 13th. So, with all that said, definitely thank you to the dozens for being here each and every week, as always. We love you guys, and you guys are the reason why we do these episodes each and every week, sometimes two or three times a week, depending upon how ambitious we get. <laughs> but the listeners and our fans are incredible. We love you guys all. Um, again, thank you, Leah, for being here. I'm sorry it took so long to get this done. No, glad we did it. Glad we definitely got you on the show finally. And definitely 100%, if you ever want to come back and discuss other movies, Nightmare on Elm Street, other Scream movies, whatever the case may be, you are welcome to come back anytime you want. Thank you very much. Hopefully, next time, Amanda will be here as well. That'd be fun. <coughs> so with all that said, um, I will let you have the microphone back and let you remind the listeners about your show. Okay. And anything else that you would like to remind them about? Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, again, I'm Leah from Slay the Stars. Um, we release every other Tuesday. If you're looking for you know, a fun story with some sad cosmic fantasy vibes. Come check us out. Uh, slaythestars.com at slaythestars on Twitter. Um, 
it's a great time and we have a lot of huge projects coming up where we're collaborating with some other people in the TTRPG scene. Uh, and those should be releasing soon. We just released a collaboration with a couple people. Check it out. Awesome. Definitely. And I will in the show notes, definitely provide all the information to direct you guys to the show. So that if you want to check out the show, you can definitely do that as well because it is a great show and we fully support our creative networked friends and their endeavors as well. So um, I have in my notes next up is what's coming up on the SIP list. And I don't know what's coming up next on the slip on the SIP list because somebody's not here to, (laughs) somebody's not here to tell us. I do know that on Sunday I will be sitting down with Amanda and uh, Chris and I think another guest, and we will be discussing our top five favorite unskippable albums. Oh, that's fun. So I think that'll be coming up and released uh, like July 13th. Don't quote me on that, but stay tuned on all the socials and we will keep you updated as to when that stuff is coming as well. Uh, Really quick, coming up on an evening at the movies, we have, we are down to the final two. I say that only because we're recording this before that we're pre-recording this episode. So I won't be mentioning who the final two are because I don't know yet, but we have the final two movies in the Tom Hanks bracket who will be going head to head this weekend to determine who the winner is going to be. So definitely stay tuned for that episode as well, as well. You can vote and make sure your voice is heard because if your favorite does not win and you didn't vote, you don't get to complain. You don't get to complain. It's your fault. (laughs) Exactly. So. My favorite movie, if it doesn't win, it's all your guys' fault for not voting. Ha! <laughs> so, also coming up as well, we've got uh episode talking uh, from Justin to Kelly. Thank you, Kendra, for that little <coughs> cinematic moment. Um, Shanna will be coming on and joining us, and we will be discussing Cool as Ice early in July as well. Um, Harvey will be popping in to discuss happiness and or midsummer at some point as well. Stay tuned for that as well. We have to match up the schedule for that. But other than that, uh, August, we're going to be discussing some Marvel slash DC type stuff, Batman, Superman, um, maybe, a movie in the X-Men franchise and possibly Deadpool as well. Uh, September, as you guys all know, Stephen King birthday bonanza. October will be Halloween Horror Fest. So stay tuned for all of those. <coughs> and I think that's it. That's awesome. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of st- For anybody who knows, going definitely going back all the way to the beginning, I am ridiculous when it comes to planning out. So I literally will plan out like four or five months in a row. And then like every week I want to remind everybody what's coming up in that four or five, six month window. And Amanda literally was like ripping her blonde hair out. (laughs) Seriously, give me the damn cliff noted version. I'm like, I'm trying. It's a lot of stuff. Like you don't have to give six months worth of freaking episodes at one time. I'm like, well, Maybe she's like, no. <laughs> so again, thank you, Leah, for coming on. And thank you for I having look forward me forward to more collaborations in the future. Definitely. I look forward to somebody getting her damn personal issues taken care of so that she can bring her little happy little butt back to the damn show. And I think that is definitely all. But as we always say each and every week, on going out the door. Thank you guys for being here, and we hope you guys all come back for an evening at the movies. Have a good week, guys.